0: Hello everyone, this is Tribecast episode 31 and my name is Marina. This week I have combined for you three interviews recorded in different parts of Finland during this summer, but for various reasons not included in the earlier episodes. First, I invite you to our cozy studio at P47 Co-working Space in Tampere, where I talked with Anders Shi, one of the local helpers of conducting the finest Bay Area, Greater Bay Area trip. Then, let's go to Terco Health Hub Helsinki, where I met with Robert Brooks to learn more about social media marketing. And finally, I would like to share with you a moment from the media lounge of Shift Business Festival, where we discussed the life, role and rules of podcasting with Antero Rihimaki and Oliver Briney. My name is Marina. You're listening to Tribecast Tre and let me give the voice to my guests. Maybe we can start with you telling our listeners a few things about
1: yourself. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's really... A pleasure being in Finland and in Tampere. Hey everyone, my name is Anders Shi. I'm originally an American and uh, I went to China in 2008 to start my own business. My first got started sort of in the apparel sector. And in 2012, I invented the underwear called Thinks, underwear for women with periods. And if you look at sort of the podcast, I believe it's like How I Built This or even uh, Freakonomics. We have interviews about that process, although I'm not mentioned because I'm sort of the hidden, you know, puppet master behind the scenes for creating the product. No one ever wants to reveal the China side of their business. And uh, after working in apparel, I started two early education centers in Guangzhou for children ages zero to three. They're sort of full day nurseries, which has sort of a major demand in China right now. And finally, I uh, franchised a hotel in China of China's largest hotel chain seven days in. So if you go to China and stay in the seven days in, uh, you'll understand a little bit about that business that I'm involved with. Last year, I closed out one business, my e-commerce apparel business. I sold my education centers, and I uh, handed over management of the hotel completely to our management team. And I completely freed my schedule. And starting in September, I'm going to be involved with a really cool project kind of in the uh, investment, and we call it a scalerator. It's called Greater Bay X. And what we're doing is we're taking European tech companies that have technology relevant for smart cities already with revenues of over 1 million euros a year and with solid teams and unique IP. And what we're doing is we're going to take them and we're going to inject them with capital based in China and form partnerships with enormous Chinese companies like HSBC and Hong Kong MTR, Siemens in China, and uh, really sort of help them scale their business in China with local expertise and incredible resources. So if you have any sort of interest in this area, uh, please get in touch. You can apply on our website. It's greaterbayx.co. Last week, I hosted the uh, Finest Bay Entrepreneurs, most of which were from Tampere, I believe, is about 35 or 40 people who came to China. And I was the host and organizer for the Guangzhou section of the trip. So it was really interesting to sort of do my best to introduce the Greater Bay Area and Guangzhou City in, in particular, and to uh, help the Finest Bay Entrepreneurs have a good understanding of what kind of opportunities there are, and to start making connections in the area.
0: So as you can observe, my dear listeners, we're expanding the Finland startup ecosystem to China and then probably to the moon and beyond. May I remind you that we already had Santaritovila talking about the planning of Greater Bay Area trip. So let's wrap up the trip. Let's go through some results. I know that you, you were a mentor in some panels.
1: Yes, I was like the organizer of the panels. Um, Most of the guests who joined the panels, the experts from China, are personal contacts of mine. In total, we visited 12 companies in Guangzhou, four in education, four in healthcare, and four in technology. And most of those companies were contacts that I've had for many years, and they're leaders kind of in their field in the Guangzhou area. A lot of our panelists were people from those companies who came and talked about what it's like to do business in that particular sector in China, and what it's like to work with foreign companies and foreigners and bringing in foreign technology and services into the Chinese market. So overall, the trip was a great success, Actually, after our last banquet, the next day I got lots of messages from our Chinese friends, and they were very excited. Actually, I think it's very uncommon for them to feel like they had such a free flow of ideas and such a good time with foreign guests. And I think a lot of it had to do with this very casual and enthusiastic kind of setup that we had where people could sort of sit where they wanted to and talk to whoever they wanted to. Everyone had a great time and it was a great vibe. And I think that a lot of that had to do with this wonderful culture that came from Tribe Tempere.
0: Do you think that those kind of trips will be repeated?
1: I hope so, because I think that it's impossible really to do business in China China with just sort of one meeting, unless it's just a very short transaction. But if we're talking about bringing a startup into China and starting to work in the Chinese market or to get an investment from a Chinese investor or even to establish sort of a long-term relationship with a Chinese supplier, I think that it requires spending some time in China developing the personal relationship with these people, I think it'll be necessary for everyone to come back to China. And I think it's really important for businesses everywhere because I actually am very optimistic about China's growth in the future. I think of pretty much everywhere in the world, China right now is functioning the best. Finland's functioning very well too, but keep in mind that the population of Finland is like the population of just one district of our city of Guangzhou. Our city of Guangzhou is like 20 million people, so it's four times larger than Finland as a country.
0: So it's not even like cities. A
1: district. It's a district of a big city. Yes. So when you think about sort of the population, you think about how willing Chinese people are to learn and work and invest in the future and grow and how willing they are to think about foreign ideas and different ideas from what they've grown up with. I think there's incredible potential for growth. And as a state... You know, it's a country of 1.4 billion people. The government is very united and very strong. And they have a very clear sort of vision of how the country will develop. And Guangzhou being sort of the largest city and kind of the cultural and historical center of the Greater Bay Area, which will be the largest urban area in the world, it's a very important place for development for not just China, but for the whole world. And if Finland really needs to rely on sort of globalization and export and international cooperation, I can think of no more important place to sort of set down some ties and roots than the Greater Bay Area, and Guangzhou would be a great place for that.
0: But don't you think that there might be some cultural misunderstanding between Finnish and Chinese people? Because, at least in my perspective, Asian people, Chinese included, are very open, very emotional while Finnish people, as many of the Nordics, are believed to be quite reserved and humble?
1: Actually, that's a very interesting question. Chinese people, they are actually quite emotionally reserved as well. They're very friendly and open, but like it's, it'd be very unusual to sort of see a Chinese person really show their anger or sadness or even sort of happiness the way that a Southern European person or even an American person or a Latin person might. So in that respect, I think that Finnish and Chinese are a bit similar in their prioritizing of the group over sort of individual emotional expression, there are vast cultural differences. I often say that in China, the world is round and in the West, it's square. (laughs) And it really is a vast difference. But the thing is, is that we live in this world that's coming together in which China is globalizing, Finland is globalizing, we're coming together And we have to start now to understand each other. And we have to start now to start working together. Will there be misunderstandings? Definitely. But it's through these misunderstandings that we learn to understand each other. And that's going to be a very important thing for the world and for any business that wants to be a global player, which I think in the future really is every business. It's hard to imagine a big business or a meaningful business sort of just staying local.
0: Speaking about the Bay Area trip, I still want to talk a bit more about that. You mentioned panels. And uh, when we were discussing with Santeri, like the planning of the trip, he never spoke about uh, the actual format of panels. Could you please open up a bit? How was it all formed?
1: Well, that was an interesting thing because, you know, we have this meetup event and we had a lot of chance sort of to talk to each other. And it's like we needed a certain level of formality, especially to bring sort of more Chinese people to this event. If we were just to say, okay, we're going to rent this space and there'll be snacks and coffee and there's no program, it felt pretty awkward. I don't know exactly what to do with this. So to like have sort of like a pitch contest, it didn't seem appropriate because it wasn't just like to the investor community. And also like these, you know, our guests from the Finnish Bay, they're in many, many different areas. It was a very diverse group. So it wasn't like one small sort of niche market or sector where we could really focus on. I mean, we had such a big variety of groups. So our panels, one was in education, one was in healthcare slash med tech, and the other was in sort of information technology. And even these panels, like it was very challenging as a moderator to figure out how to string the conversation together. For example, in the healthcare panel, we had, you know, Seppo from Modulite, who's making advanced lasers, some of which have, you know, applications in cancer therapies. Then we had um, Dr. Kate Gaynor, who's from one of the best hospitals in China, the Guangzhou United United Family Health, and she's running a hospital. And then you have Sini, who's uh, running, you know, Liette, like a maternity health information app. I mean these are very very different sort of businesses who really have like some similar questions but quite different things that they're paying attention to. So it's hard to really string a coherent conversation together between between them. So the healthcare panel a lot of it was talking about but well, you know, and healthcare is a highly regulated industry where relationships are really important. So the conversation kind of really turned towards, like, how do you form meaningful relationships in China to expand your business? Whatever you need to get done.
0: Right. And for our listeners, I would like to remind that you can listen to the interview with Christina Atsinki and Juha Aranin from Lyot in one of the previous episodes. And also would like to remind that Liad is one of the alumni of Nordic Startup School first batch and the second batch application round is already ongoing. So if you feel like that your business would use a bit of acceleration, please contact NordicStartupSchool.com. Right. Speaking of
1: accelerators. Um, Sorry, I just want to, I'll add one more thing to the last um, answer. So I think that the panels, it was a great way to sort of have an official program and to have a meaningful and useful conversation. But also more importantly, it was a great opportunity to bring the community together so that people had an opportunity to meet informally in the back or outside or afterwards of the dinner and have more relevant conversations with the people that mattered. So that was really the intention. The intention was just sort of to create an introduction and a forum for people to meet each other and to start talking. And in my mind, it's just like, it's just the first introduction. It's having that face-to-face interaction, exchanging WeChats so that people can stay in touch. And then at some point they can come back to China. They can have a longer time with whoever... It is that they met and have a deeper conversation or another option would be to invite them to Finland and to have a chance for them to kind of see what you all are doing here and to better understand each other. And out of this, I think a lot of opportunities can arise.
0: I kind of wanted to ask something else, but then I thought it. I can discard this question. I know that one of your basic interests is education. Why do you believe in exporting Finnish education to China so much?
1: So I'm a real believer that there's a big difference in sort of value and price. And I think that ultimately, what I really want to put my effort and attention to are things of great value. And I believe that there's nothing more valuable than strong education. In my own sort of vision, there's two areas of education I want to focus on specifically. The first, is uh, education for children zero to six, and the second is education for families, and sort of specifically education for parents to become sort of better parents. I think that if you really want to add value to someone's life, these two areas are areas that are extremely important. So that's why I'm interested in in education. You know, I, I came into this interest from many different Perspectives like one, both of my parents are educators, and my father, he's very well recognized in the US for being involved in sort of public health and creating programs for the part of society that most needs them, specifically for women who use drugs during pregnancy. It's interesting, like he's actually sort of creating the Finnish model in America, which is really inspiring. My mother, she's also a teacher, she taught in middle school. So I came from this background that really cares deeply about education. And then I was very fortunate and I got to go to great schools myself, and I went to Yale. You know, that really showed me the power of education and sort of changing the world and changing my own life. And then third, you know, becoming a father and thinking about what it is that I can really provide for my children that's meaningful and that will like allow them to live the richest life that they can live for themselves. That's really sort of why I got involved in education. And then in China, there's this unbelievable opportunity in education because Chinese people just care so much about it. Like it's a very traditional and old value in China. If you're going to give your child anything... Give them the best education that you can. That's been in place for like thousands of years. The second thing is that they put their money where their mouth is. (laughs) And so when I was running nursery schools in China, it was not uncommon for a family to spend one third of their income on our school for their like one or two year old to go to our nursery school. I mean, that would be unheard of in the West. That's not uncommon. And so there's a huge willingness for Chinese to invest in education. And, you know, Finland is recognized now throughout the world and definitely recognized in China as having this amazing education system. It's a great opportunity for a lot of schools and businesses in China to find some differentiation in their market, to improve the service and product that they're offering, and to be able to really add quality to what they're doing. And it's something I think personally, there could be nothing better for China than to implement a lot of the values and practices that we have here in Finland, particularly in really respecting one's child and allowing them to be the person that they are and to live the life that they have rather than constantly sort of constricting their choices because as a parent I feel anxious to trust my child and then to give them that freedom and that space for them to really develop the ability to create, to find what they're interested in, to learn for themselves, to decide for themselves what it is that they want to live the life that they want to. That's something that's really lacking right now in China and it's something that Chinese parents recognize, the government recognizes this, and it's just a matter of time and a matter of effort and investment to put this into place. And that's something I'd love to be a part of.
0: Right. That was an extensive answer. And I think we're good with the time. Thank you very much, Anders, for the interview.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Hello again, Robert. We're in Helsinki in Terco Health Hub. And before we continue to the local community, I have one special guest. So hello, Robert, and please tell the listeners a few things about yourself before we continue to your amazing career path
2: hi my name is robert brooks a little background about me Uh, i'm originally from the uk from the northwest of england uh, near manchester and i um, ended up in finland because i went to study in university in london and met a finnish girl there and 23 years later here i am in finland married with three children and lived in finland now for a little over 20 years
0: kind of classical story yeah but as far as i know you're not only a father you're also you call yourself a media consultant is it yeah
2: digital media consultant or social media consultant well i help people to use their digital channels more effectively uh, mainly with marketing Um, so that means if you have social media channels you have your own company everybody does yeah you have nowadays your, hopefully but if you if you have if you're a small company or an organization uh, or an institution and you have your own social media channels then mm-hmm. i help with all sorts of different aspects to do with with that with marketing or branding or, or whatever it is you want to do on those channels so all sorts of different projects people want to do on their channels, then, then I can help with that.
0: So do you just give consultations or is it possible to kind of hire you for a marketing campaign as a social media manager, I guess, these positions are usually called for, yeah, for a so project? Social
2: media manager, yeah. I mean, I do that kind of work as well. Um, I have ongoing projects with customers or sometimes I'm asked to do one one particular thing. You know, in the past I've done just a one-off project Mm-hmm. I've done a few few of those where, you know, someone's asked me to just come in and just take care of all the social media, the marketing, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff for a particular project. And, you know, it can run for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. It just depends on, on the project itself. But those are interesting and um, a bit challenging at times because you're brought in and then you have to very quickly get up to speed with everything and figure out exactly what the project's about and what the people want and, and do it very quickly. And then make sure that it's good because you know if you're being brought in for a particular project, then then you're kind of supposed to hit the ground running, so to speak, and and do it very quickly and efficiently. But then that's also good. That little bit of pressure sometimes is good for creativity.
0: All right, and. Like jumping in a project and very cu- quickly orienting yourself in what's going on within a company, I think it's a very startup attitude. Have yeah. you ever worked in a startup?
2: Yes, I have. I, have. I worked in a startup mm, about five years ago. It was um, based in Espoo, just outside Helsinki. I was responsible for the social media. I was essentially a social media manager in the company. They were producing an app that um, enabled people to um, create online marketing campaigns via their app and uh and also to to buy buy products via the app as well and so i was i was trying to market that app to the world and and make it more visible and um it's challenging it's kind of you know you have to think and 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 react quickly and be creative I think that's nice.
0: And if someone wants a bit more adrenaline in his or her life, we have two startup accelerators kicking off this autumn in Tribe Tumper Community, Redbrook Accelerator and Nordic Startup School. So if you're thinking about starting a business or or you already have a pilot idea, you can check those two and right that will work yeah by the way robert <laughs> here's the time for advice teach me how to do the social media
2: <laughs> that question's a bit too broad what what aspects of social media do you want to, like, do, you want to do? is that?
0: there some classical mistake which is very regular for businesses nowadays? yeah yeah there is yeah. yeah
2: businesses often sometimes um use social media as a kind of as if it were a megaphone that they're just shouting about the stuff they're doing all the time and they just have like we're doing this we're doing that look at us you know and it's it's very one way communication <laughs> that's okay but what the point they're missing is the social aspect of that that just sort of shouting about what you're doing is not very social activity um it's much better to try and engage with your audience and include them in in the conversation about what you're doing
0: not that I don't respect your experience, but in the good old times when I was freelancing as well freelancing for an actual social media project, I was told that starting a conversation with a question or a social media post is a kinda of bad manners.
2: Starting with a question. Starting a, with a question,
0: social media post with a question is like super old fashioned and showing you being low bro or whatever. Okay. Has the times changed? Well yeah,
2: things change all the time, but but my experience of asking questions on on a social media channel is that there 's a time and a place for it, and it can be incredibly effect- effective. Oh. Just two days ago, I asked a question on my Twitter account, and there was you know a whole string of replies and responses and answers and conversations that that kind of oh. came up in in response to that. It was actually to do with um talk i 'm going to be giving at a conference in in Cork in ireland and I have quite a strong network of people there who who I, who I know. I've got to know over social social media, and I just asked them that you know I've, I've not been to Cork in six years. I'm coming back. What should I do? You know what's what's changed and what should I go and see? And there's a whole long thread. You can go to my Twitter account and see this this very long thread of replies and a conversation. And then the guy who's organising the conference he picked up on this and he said that anyone else who's coming to the conference have a look at this thread. So marketing for his conference and branding phase conference and good for me and, and my talk at the conference. And so, you know, asking a question
0: works. So probably we should also start asking our audience more questions in our social media. By the way, I'd like to remind our listeners that now Tribecast has its own Twitter. So if you have any comments or any kind of feedback, or you actually want to ask me a question, you're more than welcome to do it.
2: Yeah, I think it's important to remember that Social media is about conversations. I mean, it's other things as well, but I always liken social media to it's kind of like being in a pub, particularly in England. Maybe this is a very English thing, but you go into a pub in England and you can very, very easily and quickly get involved in a conversation with strangers just people you bump into in the pub. And that's like social media, you know, there's people are talking about something on social media and you can just kind of involve yourself in that conversation as long as you're kind of sensitive and polite. You don't just go. Wading in with your opinions, but you can get involved in conversations, and you never know where those conversations lead. So you know, I've had lots of all sorts of really kind of interesting and exciting projects. And I mean, this this Cork this talk I'm doing in Cork, then the whole Cork thing came about purely from Twitter. And it was over six and a half years ago. You know, we sort of we moved to Cork for a few months. My wife was invited to go to Cork on Twitter. Mm -hmm. We took the kids, the whole family went over there, and. We had two months in Cork, and I've never looked back. That that Cork trip changed my life completely. The reason why I'm doing what I do today is because of that Cork trip, and it's all down to Twitter.
0: Right. I guess this is a very good example how social media work. By the way, Robert, in your opinion, what's the most effective channel uh, nowadays? Which which do you prefer? Is it Twitter or?
2: It depends. Depends on what business you're in. Depends on what your goals are. Um, different channels are effective in different ways. So there's no there's no kind of easy easy answer to that. I mean, Twitter can be incredibly effective for certain projects and certain audiences. Instagram can be equally as effective, different projects, different audiences. They kind of serve different purposes. They kind of scratch different itches, if you know what I mean. So it's like it, there's not one not one that's better than any other. They're, they're different.
0: All right. Uh, nowadays in Tribe Tamper social media, one of the most discussed topics is the coming stream festival in October. Okay. And let me invite you there. If you have a spot in your calendar, it's 3rd of October. We are having our annually Startup Practical Festival called Stream. 3rd of October? 3rd of October. Okay. Exactly. I'll the tickets on. are already out. And I guess they also have a few spots for mentors and speakers as well, ah. if you're interested. Yes, and and also for our listeners, I would like to remind that there will be a few pre and after events, so probably they will be interested in that as well. Uh, please follow Stream Startup Festival on social media or and their newsletter and their web page. But I guess we're good for today with this conversation. Thank you very much for this interview, Robert.
1: Thank you um, for asking me.
0: And being an independent and owner of social media, here is the time to confess that this is our second talk, <laughs> <laughs> because I have already once did an unsuccessful interview and sometimes it happens that the sound is not good but interesting people always can come up again and talk together. Thank you very much for being with us today and we're continuing further with this episode.
2: Thank you very much.
0: We're still at Shift Business Festival. I kind of randomly decided that it's cool not to only talk with the people who the organizers want me to talk to, but to invite people whom I met and found interesting. Let me remind our listeners that the core idea behind TribeCastre is talking about startup ecosystem. However, some people are quite far away from this ecosystem, or maybe not, but they're not anyways a traditional business. However, they're my colleagues, and this is why... I think it's cool to spend some time with people who can teach me how to do some sound editing. Right. <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much, guys, for having time for the interview. It was a long day for you, as far as I could hear, from your improvised studio. But hey, let's start from the very, very beginning. Please tell our listeners a few things about yourself.
3: Well, hey, everybody. My name is Oliver Briney, or the Finnish pronunciation would be Oliver Brine. <laughs> so I am from Turku, and um, yeah, my uh, my studies, my former studies, had to do with theology and leadership. As a person, I have an endless curiosity for uh, stories, cultures, science, all different kind of stuff that I found interesting. I think curiosity is important, and I think learning is a lifestyle. How do you talk that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My
4: name is Andro Riihimäki. I'm an entrepreneur, father, husband, and uh, yeah. And we do together the podcast called Menestyksen Määritelma. That's
0: right. Yeah. So, what is your podcast about?
3: It's a very interesting question. The name in itself, Menestyksen for all the English-speaking listeners, which I guess all of you are, but uh, <laughs> uh, if you don't understand Finnish, Menestyksen Määritelma means the definition of success the word success in the Finnish culture and and the cultural setting is usually a bit provocative even. We don't really have a culture where you openly talk about success that much. It's lifting up its head slowly, but um, we're getting better and better at it. And uh, what we saw is a void when it comes to the culture in Finland. We saw that that not not a lot of people are talking about uh, success. And uh, we wanted to basically start a podcast where we empower people to dream bigger, to talk about their their dreams and uh, we just want to give a lot of practical different tools for people to build a foundation in their lives and then from that foundation start pursuing their dreams
4: yeah and uh, mostly we do that by inviting other people to our podcast because it's through the uh, stories that we learn mm-hmm. and uh, throughout our uh, two-year-long learning and, and journey so far there have been so many like similar things in different people's like stories Mm -hmm. and their success stories definitely yeah
0: so it's it's very interesting is it a good time to ask what's success for you
4: yeah we try not to define it in our podcast you are
0: Uh, now in my podcast
4: it's a (laughs) safe (laughs) space yeah yeah, that's a good one Uh, we actually have a slogan that says how would you like it to look like Mm -hmm. so it's we believe it's something you define by yourself right. what it is for you that's, Yeah, that's pretty much it
0: and I don't really speak Finnish but as far as I could hear from my recording corner your talks with guests are lively active and with some laughter involved
4: yeah, yeah. we try to take some humor in it because it's we don't want to make it too like serious even though we discuss about serious matters mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah. yeah
3: and that makes it a lot more pleasant for the uh, listener as well to listen
0: yeah True. Actually, that's a classical kind of question for people doing our job. What's your dream guest? Is there some person somewhere in the business world you would like to talk to but haven't had yet an opportunity?
3: A very hard question. I think many, many names come to mind, yeah. obviously. me uh, a couple. Yeah, yeah, obviously, uh, well... Someone like uh, Tim Cook from Apple would be really interesting to talk to. Um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, oh no. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And maybe we'd ask him whether he's, um, you know, yeah. an earthling, <laughs> earthling or an extraterrestrial. That would be a good question.
0: <laughs> and how do you come up with a good question? Uh, we tried to do
4: a little bit of back-checking before. Mm-hmm. And right. then we, like Oliver said, we are focused on the story. Mm-hmm. And one person starts to uh share their story it's it's usually interesting. It's so interesting that you you just come up with the questions like mm-hmm. on the fly basically you usually have a few few questions that we perhaps thought about beforehand yeah but then from that it's just the conversation just flows mm.
3: yeah so when it comes to a podcast basically uh, our our principle or the premise from which we do the podcast is that you know we're naturally curious people and we're very curious even off the record you know when the mic mics are turned off we're very curious about uh, about people's stories and you know how they ended up where they ended up and what they what did they learn during the process Mm -hmm. and um i think um you know if you are interested in creating a podcast i think you should by nature be a person who's interested in people's stories and uh, and uh, we're so interested that we also want to give those stories out to people and uh, for people to be inspired as well
4: yeah and I think uh, one of the base things for us both is that we want to learn more yes and we believe that you can learn something from everyone so when we get to meet these great people and learn from them it's just yeah it's, it's awesome yeah
0: it is <laughs> Do you have any preferences in a sense what kind of business, what kind of business field you talk to? No,
3: no. Yeah. Not not really. I Um, think that's the short answer. answer. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um.
4: And uh, they're not all like business people. I think we've had some uh, non-profits.
3: Yeah. Sales leader, uh, non-profit, a creative field. Yeah. Co-founder of a creative company, for example. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of different, different things. Yeah. Yeah, not not necessarily only CEOs or entrepreneurs either, just right. the people who are basically considered successful within their own sphere of life.
0: I quite often get accused by our marketing team, I mean Tribe Tumpery marketing team, uh, of being sound only, and they try to push me into the visual stuff, which yeah. I avoid as much as I can. Sorry, <laughs> why sound only? It's easier <laughs> for
4: us. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the like honest answer. Yeah, because we've been thinking about it, but because we both have like uh, full time jobs,
0: mm-hmm.
4: so we're trying to keep the workload so that we can actually produce good material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- I think that's yeah. the main reason.
3: Yeah. So basically, you know, as partners, obviously, our our workload is like I do the production mm-hmm. and, and, you know, designing the intros and, and writing them and then recording all mm-hmm. of them and the outros as well. And uh, then the editing of the actual beef of the episodes, which is the com- conversation and the, and the interviews. Um, yeah. Android is more of the, um, the, you know, the marketing side and social yeah. media and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, um, you know, if you add a layer, which is, you know, cameras, Mm -hmm. video, color grading, all of that Mm -hmm, stuff, mm -hmm. you know, because we want to, whatever we produce, we want it to be good quality. Mm -hmm. Because good quality is not just about visuals or appearances. If it's bad quality, the people can't really focus that well because there's a lot of distractions so qualities mm-hmm. to us or to me as the production manager here for our podcast quality is something that reduces and yeah reduces distractions yeah when you don't when you have true. good quality people are are more able to in, uh, lean yeah. in and to yeah, learn and so on. yeah and so yeah I think we would have the capacity, uh, skill-wise, to produce yeah. a good quality video podcast. But um, that's, the, that's the thing about workload, that we have very, very busy lives. However, there's no such thing as busy. There's only bad time management. Oh, you had to include that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Probably I have one last question. Say there is a small company who think that doing a podcast, their own podcast, is a good marketing thing you get a call from a small company would you stop doing what you are doing and dedicate one year of your life to them
4: Well that's interesting yeah.
3: question. I am inclined uh to answer on your part on but because uh, yeah, I think that yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah yeah so Antero is an entrepreneur and uh-huh. uh, and that's you know your passion and and yeah. you know you're 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 what you're really enthusiastic about so I think on your part I'd say no you wouldn't want to do that. However on my part, then, um, I'm, I'm a public speaker. That's mm-hmm. what I love to do. So um, I would
0: consider it. If you find the business interesting.
3: Exactly. Well. And obviously, for me, I'm not as much a media person as a public speaker. But for me, as a media personality, it's very important that I can actually, in real life, stand behind what I'm talking about. That's, I think, a really good law of sales as well. You can't really sell something well if you don't stand behind the product.
0: Yeah so like what you do yeah. be curious and have a good microphone yeah, I guess <laughs> that's a good formula for, for doing a podcast or doing a business in general especially the microphone yeah, <laughs> yeah right you need
4: a good microphone yes. yeah
0: thank you very much that was Oliver and Antero thank you no
4: worries it, it, it was a pleasure
3: yeah Yeah, it was very nice to be on this side of the microphone this yeah. time so thank you <laughs> Something very much new. Yeah. yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs>
0: This was Tribecast, episode 31, and my name is Marina. Next week, I will continue introducing you to the inspiring people and giving the voice to the Finnish startup ecosystem. Have a nice weekend and stay warm and tuned.